Well, the Aussie dollar's down quite a bit today. It can't all be down to the RBA decision yesterday, can it? So we'll decide what else is going on. Of course, the weakness in China's manufacturing is part of it. Also today, the US government borrowing quite a bit higher than expected this quarter, pushing bond yields higher as well. And today, lots on jobs. The ADP numbers are out later. Also, labour market data for New Zealand. And let's not forget earnings in the United States, although it seems like equity markets have. It's Wednesday, the 2nd of August, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a 0.4% rise in the US dollar again this morning. It's well up on the Japanese yen, up 0.8% today. That's 2.5% up since the rise of the yen after the Bosch yield curve announcement last week. The big move, though, today, sadly, is the Aussie dollar, which is down 1.6%, just above 66 US cents now. The pound is down half percent. The euro has lost 0.2%. There's some yield movement going on as well. Ten-year treasuries are up seven basis points, up 10 for 10 years in Canada, up nine for 10-year gilts in the UK, Across Europe, lots of sixes and sevens. Aussie 10-year yields down nine basis points yesterday, down to 3.97%, but back up to around 4.05% this morning on futures. And US equities, very mixed again. The Nasdaq down 0.4% at close. The S&P down a smidgen. Uh, the Dow up 0.2%. In Europe, very small rises, just 0.1% for the Eurostox 50. And for the FTSE 100, the DAX actually down 0.1%. And we've got falls in oil as well, down half percent for Brent and WTI earlier on. They've retraced their steps a little. Brent is still 0.4% down, though, just over 85 now. So the Aussie dollar dropping like a stone yesterday, even though, uh, as we've been saying on this podcast, the RBA was going to keep rates on hold, which is just what they did. Nabs Rodrigo Catrill uh, is uh, getting up early this morning to join us. We said that'd be on hold, clearly, looking at the market reaction, the Aussie dollar, bond yields as well. A lot of people were focused on a 25 basis point rise. I know it's not entirely the reason for the fall in the in the Aussie this morning, but but it'll be part of it. Some people surprised by the RBA. Uh, morning, Phil. Yes, uh, it certainly wasn't just the RBA, but the, the RBA did not help. Um, given that the market was pricing a little bit of a chance around just over 20% chance that the RBA would hike uh, yesterday. Um, but um, the the statement also had a bit of commentary around the new forecast. And, and I think that when you look at the forecast, um, there is a little bit of a sort of dovish tone, if you like, or less hawkish tone, despite the fact that the RBA has retained that bias to hike um, with the statement of the, or the last sentence of the statement noting that further tightening of monetary policy may be required to ensure that inflation returns to target. Well, I never heard that um, before. But the new... <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but the, because of the new forecast, that now we have numbers until or towards the end of 2025. Um, and in the in the statement, the, the RBA noted that um, CPI inflation was expected to, you know, get between the two to three percent by the end of 2025. So um, we we don't really think that that's very surprising, but certainly some have taken that as as a little bit more um, or less hawkish, if you like. Um, obviously, the the new numbers. We're always, for one, inflation was always projected to decline. And now that you have an extension towards 2025, that decline is still, you know, there and, and it's, it's getting within the two to three percent band. Um, but to us, um, there's a couple of things to note. For one, um, we got to remember that these forecasts are based on um, the current trajectory of market pricing in terms of rates, uh, as well as a combination of what economists are thinking. So 
that is still suggests that there's at least one more hike uh, baked in the cake, if you like. Um, but importantly to us, um, what we find a little bit surprising is that the RBA has retained it seems it has retained that trajectory in terms of inflation. And now what we have learned in, in recent times is that services inflation in particular is, is elevated. You know, at 6.3% is the highest since 2001. And then the drivers of service inflation are the resilience of the labor market and wages growth as well as productivity. Now, when you look at those drivers, for one, uh, you know, um, uh, and is the theme really around the globe, uh, the labor markets have been very resilient, notwithstanding the slowdown in, in growth. And in fact, you know, overnight we learned that the employment rate was uh, unchanged, or sorry, a little bit better, 6.4% in, in Europe, notwithstanding the fact that Europe has actually endu- is enduring a technical recession. So um, one, one takeaway or one warning, if you like, to us is that uh, these expectations that the labor market will will weaken in Australia, uh, well, the, the global experience at the moment is telling you otherwise, that the, the labor market will probably prove to be more resilient than what you think, uh, and therefore that services inflation will prove to be sticky. So that's a risk. Which is a question everywhere, isn't it? So what, so what does that mean for the RBA then? Are we now expecting that they were, because NAB was forecasting two more hikes, but you're thinking now... Perhaps just one, and 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 who's going to do it? Is it going to be Philip Lowe, or is it going to be a, a job for you know? Is he going to sneak one in in his last meeting? Is the question, I guess. Um, well, given the data flow, we we don't think that um, there will be enough evidence for Governor Lowe to to sneak one in, as you say. Uh, we think that the the Q three inflation number um, will be sort of the, the is potentially the catalyst, given that uh, we got to remember as well that the minimum wage. Impact only kicks in now on, on in July or has kicked in in July, and therefore the implications of high wages growth and again support to that services inflation uh, will probably be more uh, apparent uh, in the Q3 inflation numbers. So that leads us to think that uh, there's a good chance that the RBA will will have to hike one more time in November. Um, but again, in terms of like the dynamics, we got to remember that here in Australia, unlike what we're seeing in, in the US, for instance, is rents inflation is still elevated and is expected to continue to rise. Um, we also have, particularly in the Eastern states, um, that big kick in terms of energy prices and, and the implications that that could have in terms of, um, are there, are there sort of ramifications from an inflationary perspective into, into other goods and so on? So, to us, it, it, we, we're very mindful that here in Australia, inflation dynamics are still not going in the right direction. Um, and what we know that is coming in terms of wages growth and as well as rents and, and energy prices is still telling us that the risk is that um, the inflation in Australia will prove to be stickier and will not decline as quickly as the RBA expects. Yeah, Therefore, on the run, I just wonder whether that will come down, though. So, Because obviously rent goes up if people are trying to cover the cost of their mortgages. So obviously if mortgages go up, then rent will follow to, to an extent. But we've seen, uh, I don't know, it's just a one-off. Quite a fall in home loans, according to the ABS. I mean, this wasn't expected, down 2.8% month on month yesterday, although the May figure, I think, was revised up quite a bit, wasn't it, from 4% to 5.1%. So, I mean, over the first half of this year, uh, sales are are still rising. But that, but that monthly figure would be a concern. And then building permits also down 7.7% month on month. So it looks like something is starting to bite in the housing sector. It is, it is, but that's kind of more on, on the supply side. and the, the so. But in terms of rents, you've got to remember that we have this huge immigration influx and also lack of supply. 
and and that supply will not be fixed in in a month or two. That that takes you know years right. to sort itself. I don't know how many times I'm going to have to say that this week. We will talk about that more in the weekend <laughs> edition on uh, well. On but, Saturday. but to your so point, though, the very important point is that no, yeah. I don't think rents are coming down here in Australia. Leading indicators are telling us that in the way the inflation is recorded from rents. We got to expect at least another twelve months of of a rise in inflation from that right. perspective. So right, so yeah. yep, interest rates getting higher. Basically, is the summation from all of that, isn't it? And uh, so, but the Aussie, not just hit by the RBA, um, and in fact, you know, you'd be thinking, why would it be if we thought there's going to be one or two more rate hikes? Why would we see the Aussie dollar falling so much? But it always gets back to China, doesn't it? So the uh, the Cajun uh, PMI, manufacturing PMI for July came in below 50 at 49.2, which is well below expectations. So, I mean, that recovery that everyone was hoping for is, uh, well, it's well and truly stalled, hasn't it? Um, it has. And um, was, you know, and it was also a little bit softer than expected. So because um, if you remember that the Kaizen numbers were a little bit showing a little bit more life than um, than the official numbers and, and now they seem to be following the, the official numbers so we also had uh, housing p- uh, prices decline as well again in um, in China um, and I think the market is um, is becoming a little bit disillusioned with uh, uh, the commitment and the wording coming from the Politburo we've had a lot of uh, rhetoric and, and a lot of um, you know words coming from uh, top officials, economic officials in in China. And in fact, yesterday we also had a little bit more of the same um, with the Ministry of Information and Technology and other four government agencies also pledging to to provide more support to to smaller firms, for instance. Also, um, you know, more support to boost credit for the private com- uh, private companies. So this idea is that you're providing more more initiatives um, to increase the demand for for things. But the reality is that there's no demand because the the consumer and the private sector is very cautious about the outlook, and that's when you need the the, the government to actually spend some money and, and to to revive the animal spirits. And and I think that the market's a little bit the solution by the lack of commitment from Beijing in terms of spending money. Uh, um, and and we've seen that reflected not only in a reversal in the, in the equity market, but also in the weakness of CNY, which has been also translated in, in, in weakness in economic and commodity prices. Um, so they're also effectively getting a double whammy, if you like, from the sort of the bad news coming from China, uh, as well as the RBA repricing that is, is taking away these expectations of further hikes uh, over coming months. Well, China may be their worry. Maybe they're looking at the United States and thinking, my goodness, we don't want government borrowing to get too out of control. Uh, <laughs> we're going to see a lot more uh, Treasury issuance in the US because the $733 billion government borrowing that was forecast for this quarter way back in May, they've had to revise that. One trillion, that is one third higher. So lots more treasuries out there looking for buyers. So that's why presumably we're seeing quite a quite a move in yields today. Yes. Uh, so we've seen that. Um, I think that the although the data releases in in the US came in line with expectations, they've also played a little bit of part of the supporting this idea of a soft landing. We can talk a little bit about that. But certainly in terms of the supply story, it's a big upward revision. You know, it's a thirty percent. Um, upward revision and, and that trillion number, even psychologically, I think is, is a big number too. So we've seen a steepening of the curve, uh, and the market's now being forced to sort of reprise how these supply dynamics, um, are going to affect the, the treasury market, as well as the fact that, you know, the BOJ and the moves from the BOJ in terms of the allowing that 10 year JGB to move up 
means that potentially there will be less demand from one of the big buyers of U.S. Treasuries, which is the Japanese investor. So all of that is 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 pushing yields higher across the board globally, but certainly being led by the U.S. Treasury market. Right, and yeah, let's talk about the uh, the weather. America is heading for a soft landing then. Uh, the ISM manufacturing numbers. I mean, I, you could read that either way, couldn't you? As being good or bad. I mean, the main number was up, but not as much as expected. Still well below fifty. But then new orders, that index has risen and employment has fallen further into contraction territory. So is that good or bad? Well, um, I think that the, the story, well, for one, manufacturing has been contracting now for nine months in a row. Um, the, the, the good story is that it has the degree of contraction hasn't exacerbated. So it's sort of plateauing. So maybe we've, we've reached the worst of it. Um, but in terms of these dynamics or concerns around inflation, um, that ease in, in the labor market is, is encouraging in that sense. Although, you know, the manufacturing sector is only 9% of the economy. So it's not really the best guide in terms of what to expect. Um, uh, but certainly in terms of the new orders, it tells you again that maybe the worst is over and that we could look forward to some improvements in, in towards the second half or the end of the second half of the year. Um, and, and that small increase in price sub index is still basically, you, you're still having this, this disinflationary forces coming in, in the good side of the, the economy or the manufacturing side. So, um, the JOLS report as well, um, we've seen, uh, those numbers decline a little bit more to do with the downward revisions from the previous month. Less than 0.4%. It's not exactly 4,000 people out of, uh, what, 9.6 million. Yes. It's not a big move down, is it? It is, but uh, the downward revision to the previous month makes it a little bit better. And, and that suggests that there's a downtrend that remains in place there. Um, and you know, if you remember that, uh, Governor Waller was talking about this and, and this idea that you can't see an ease in demand for labor, which doesn't necessarily imply a big increase in unemployment rate, but it does put downward pressure on those wages growth. So that sort of dynamic or thesis that Governor Weller has, it seems to be playing out at the moment. Um, and and that's, that's kind of encouraging for the outlook of um, the US economy and the labor market as well. It's the soft landing hope, isn't it? Absolutely. Exactly. So yeah. on ISM, it's services ISM later this week. So I've got to keep our fingers crossed on that, that that isn't uh, starting to, to slide or we're seeing, you know, that we start to see wages coming down on that as well. Uh, but as well, so it's, it's ADP numbers, of course, as well. While we're talking about jobs, those, they're out tonight for the United States, non-farm payrolls, of course, on Friday. So those ADP numbers, I mean, how trustworthy are they? And let's remember last time, half a million uh, new jobs, supposedly in June, non-farm payrolls came out with, what, less than half of that, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. So uh, personally, I, I don't put a lot of weight on the ADP employment report, uh, but for what it's worth, the market is looking for 190K or 90,000 uh, jobs uh, after that massive number that we got uh, the previous month. Um, but it's kind of more or less, if, if the number comes uh, along those lines, um, it will be sort of consistent with what the market is looking for, uh, just under 200,000 uh, jobs being printed on Friday. So, um, but at the moment, uh, yeah, the ADP has proven to be a bit of noise rather than a reliable guide for non-farm payments. Right, and we get jobs uh, data, the Labour Force data for New Zealand as well. So it'll be interesting to see what the unemployment rate is, but more importantly, what's happening to labour costs. Yes, and to me, I, I really want to labour this point because we also had an employment rate coming in Europe, which was a little bit better, uh, one-tenth better at 64 um, they're here, the unemployment rate in New Zealand. New Zealand is ahead of us, in, if you like, in the cycle. They've seen that slowdown in the economy. 
And yet that employment rate has proven to be resilient. So it's one big takeaway there in terms of the forecast for, for Australia. You know, the lessons from the global economy at the moment is saying that that resilience of the labor market uh, is, is one feature. And therefore, um, maybe we need to be cautious about these expectations that employment rate will rise significantly here in Australia over the coming months. Right. We're out of time, really. I did want to talk about earnings as well, because they, I mean, we haven't talked about them much uh, this week or even last week, but uh, because there's not been quite so many big names. But generally, I mean, revenue has been stronger than expected. Sometimes earnings was down a little bit. ExxonMobil, for example, uh, their earnings, you know, still strong, but their earnings per share was down quite a bit. But generally, you know, uh, earnings have been good, but equity markets don't seem as concerned all of a sudden because of everything else that's going on. But we've got Qualcomm, Shopify, PayPal. Yes. Uh, they're amongst the companies t- tonight. Yeah, and I would add as well that Caterpillar, mm. that tends to be a good yeah. weather, actually reported better numbers. Yeah. So, again, uh, it's a mixed picture, but uh, you know, some of it is actually quite good. All righty. Very good. Uh, we will catch you again next time. Thank you, Rodrigo. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. And I mentioned it while talking to Rodrigo there, and I've mentioned it a few times now, that we do have a new weekend edition of The Morning Call, which will come out on Friday afternoon, starting this Friday, so you can listen on your way home or while you're taking the dog for a walk on Saturday morning. And we will be doing a deep dive this week on Australian property prices uh, with Eliza Owen from CoreLogic. And we have some fantastic guests lined up in coming weeks. And it'll uh, be coming to you the way you normally get the morning calls. So if you subscribe on your favourite podcasting app, uh, you'll get it that way. So look out for that. Onwards and upwards. That's the morning call for today. I'm Phil Dobby. Back tomorrow morning. See you then.